Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, hey, welcome to this episode of I Date Money. Today, we have an amazing, beautiful entrepreneur, Beate, who is on a journey, an entrepreneurial journey that has a crazy transition from being a broke single mom and immigrant who was $135,000 in debt to cracking the code and then selling her business to the only Bill Gates for millions during a prolonged recession. So join us as we tap into Beate's story of this incredible journey. I mean, I'm so curious, really. How did you even get to know Bill Gates? <laughs> That's what everybody else wants to know. Uh, Lisa, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And I'm sure that some people go like, $135,000 in debt? That's my nightmare. I don't want to, I don't want to be that. So yes, the story is definitely a hold on to the boat uh, while you are in a in a storm and see that you can make it to shore. But luckily I did crack the code. And unfortunately, I never got to meet Bill Gates himself. However, I heard that the transaction was personally approved by him because it was a company he privately owned that bought my business. Oh, beautiful. I love that. What was the business that you sold? It was a stock photography syndication. We were specialized in selling architectural and interior photography images. And as a side note of what we were doing, because we were working with the A-listers in the industry, the top, top, top tier photographers, that they also worked with the top tier architects and interior designers who design homes for the A-listers. And that's how we got to have home stories from Julian Moore, Francis Ford Coppola, Seal, Madonna. And as these stories kept on coming in, I was asked by my photographers, can you sell these for us? And I was a photo editor at Elle magazine back in Germany, and I used to buy these stories. And that was the thing that we did better than anybody else. And that was what made us the top leader in our industry. And that is what ultimately attracted the Bill Gates company to buy us. Wow, that's a beautiful story. I love that. And being connected, I, I like, you know, you have the growth architect and you did this architect. How do those two things tie into each other? Yeah, so um, what are the things that, is interesting. So I come from the creative industry and I'm a trained photographer by trade. So that is my only degree that I actually have. 
But what I found is, in all honesty, I, I don't think I was a very good photographer. I mean, it was good, but I wasn't great. And I realized that I needed to have a lot of personal experiences. I needed to put the time in. And then over time that I would, you know, work on the craft and then become better. And I felt that the business side was much easier for me. I knew how to set up systems in the office. And I mean, that made so much sense to me. And the other thing was too vague. So I I very early on got in the business side behind, behind things. And after I sold my business, I first started consulting photographers staying in my lane under the photo biz coach. And then I expanded it to creative entrepreneurs. And then that was too limiting. And then finally I said, I need to go where I really feel that I can architect growth. And that's how this idea of the growth architect really was born to say, if I architect growth and and if I build something, what? how do I build it? And I looked at it and I always have compared it when you build a house. If you build a house on sand, you're in trouble. So if you build a house, you need to figure out where are you going to build it? Which direction are the windows? Where do you, what do you want to see when you wake up in the bedroom? Do you want to have a sunset or a sunrise? Uh, where do you want, how big of the house, how many people need to be in it? So there's so many questions that need to be answered to arrive at the right solution that to me, this was very similar to how I look at building businesses. And so that's how growth architecture was born. So I I designed the blueprint that's right for your house, your, 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 your business. And then however we want to paint the walls or whatever furnishings you want to put in on whether it's a leather couch or a denim couch or a futon, I frankly don't really care, but it has to be designed from the get-go. So that's a place you actually want to be in. I love that. And, you know, it's so interesting because you have this blueprint that you help um, your clients create a strategy. And so many entrepreneurs are looking for their niche. Like they're so afraid to step forward. And, you know, I like how you use, you know, we get out of our own way, right? You get unstuck. And so thinking about like when you're working with a client and you're helping them create this blueprint to build from the inside out, what does their business look like? And how is this going to make them money? Right. Because so many will question, oh, I can't do that. That that doesn't sit right with me. That doesn't resonate with me. So you use the word um, niche sizing. Is, is am I saying that correctly? Niche sizing. Yes. Niche sizing. Tell us more about that and, and how you integrate that to help people multiply their money. Yeah. So so there's there's always this big hookup, right? Or this 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 hang up, let's say big hang up. Most people tell you, you got to get rich in the niche. And then people get terrified by that thought. And they say, well, so what does this mean? So if I would tell the example, so I'm a, you know, I'm a growth architect. So, but as a business consultant, well, what am I consulting in? In growth strategies, but I also build systems. So do I build systems or am I a strategist? I design workflows. So I'm a strategist or I'm a business consultant or I'm a project oriented person. So the way the human brain works is that they they try when they talk to you to identify where in their limited understanding of what they know about the world and life you fit in. So when you use terminology that is creating resonance with them on something that they can draw subconsciously or consciously 
a um, a comparison, they will do that. So they say, oh, you're a business consultant. And they go, I don't need a business consultant. I don't need to talk to you. And they move on to the next person. And that's done. Even though that they just told everybody that they have a real problem with getting their financial strategy together and they don't understand their cash flow and their clients are leaving them. But the minute they hear business consultant, because that's their understanding of it, they shut down and that your conversation is over and there's nowhere to go. So, mm-hmm. so if you think about niching or niching, how many people say it, the mm-hmm. problem with that is it creates that relevance to what they know. So people do very well when they have something that is easily recognizable. So for example, if I say I do document shredding, then you go and you say, ah, I have like four years of tax returns that need to be shredded. You have an immediate relationship to it. Now we may be talking about this on whether or not you take, I take smaller jobs or if there's a facility and if you can come and how much it would be. But if you say something different, now it gets really interesting. So we came up with the term growth architect because we did not want to be niched down because I'm I'm against niche sizing as a matter of fact. Right. I believe that a client transformation journey is much more exciting because if I take everything I know and we're talking 30 years and I put this in a client transformation journey, and I slice it, I have multiple entry points for people at different levels with multiple offers. Isn't that much more interesting? So Mm -hmm. how do I need to formulate that? So in this section, we do the unique value proposition, the positioning statement, the branding idea that is, we call this the unapologetic value proposition. And then we have the systems, the signature growth system. Then we have the strategy piece. We have the authority building piece. That only works if I put an umbrella over it. Now, my niche is the umbrella, not what underneath. So my niche now is growth architecture, not business consulting. So when now somebody says, what do you do? I said, I'm a growth architect. Then they say, what is a growth architect? Now I'm already one step further in a conversation with somebody who would have said business call. I don't need a, I don't, I don't need a business consultant, turn around, walk away. What is a growth architect? Now I say, well, I help people to grow their authority and scale their impact. Grow my authority. Well, I want to grow my authority. How do I do that? So now I'm hooking myself into this conversation and I purposely said, scale your impact. Because if I say I help people make more money, I sound like everybody else because every kid out there, because they're all money driven, especially women. A lot of women are not money driven. They're money motivated, but not money driven. They are impact-driven. So we purposely changed it to an impact-facing statement. So that's how you have to articulate your your niche. You need to make a decision on whether, when, whether or not you allow people to put yourself in the bucket that they understand as a niche. I, I, I do garbage. I shred. I help people that are going through a divorce to work out their finances, or I am a financial planner. Well, I don't need a financial planner. So what would you call it differently than you would call it? Um, let's say I would say you're the money magnet expert. What's a money magnet expert? A money magnet expert is helping not to screw themselves yeah. and not get screwed by other people. 
oh, that sounds really interesting. How do you do that? Well, I do that in one out of five different ways. And then you tell them your different steps of your system. And they say, Mm -hmm. that sounds so interesting. Do you also work with people that are going through a divorce? Because I'm worried I'm going to screw myself and I'm worried I'm going to get screwed. And you're going to say, well, as a matter of fact, you're in in a hundred percent danger zone of both. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. But now the conversation is more fun. Right. Yeah. I love how you demonstrated that to show that in the different niches. And it is so true. We all have that umbrella of the business and, you know, underneath that umbrella are different things and modalities and tools that we use to help expand our businesses and to make that greater impact. And everyone says that, like, I want to chase more money. I, I see more responses about manifesting money and money mindset. And it's like, that's not just what you need to do. It's not just about the manifestation and the mindset. It's the actions that you take, the strategies that you implement and the gifts and talents that you use to expand your empire, right? So when you think about when you were a single parent, you had $135,000 worth of debt. Tell us more about that. Like, what did that feel like? And and what steps did you take to get out of that debt and to never be in that position again? Well, number one, it feels awful. And uh, for your listeners who might be in a very difficult financial situation, and I know a lot of people are having uh, challenges right now because the economy has tightened up, the market's not as as successful as it was. We're not making you know, as much money as we did. Companies are laying off people, people looking to figure out how they're building their own businesses. So there's a a, a, a wide variety of reasons why people might be dissatisfied or worried right now. So the the objective about money really is that in mindset, we say there's a cause and an effect. So what you're seeing, the lack of money is the not the cause, it's the effect of something that you're doing that is causing this. And I have an, a very simple example So when people say, I need to make more money, it would be like saying, I want to eat seafood and going to a steak restaurant. (laughs) If you want seafood, you would want to go to a seafood restaurant. So if you want to increase your income, you can't think about, you can't think about the opposite about being broke. Mm -hmm. Because that would be like... you know, going to the steakhouse and wanting good seafood. I mean, I know that some of the steakhouses obviously have okay. you have both, but but just for the sake of the example. So when you think about the money mindset and it's cause and effect, if you think about I need more money, you keep putting it out there that you need more money. So you'll always have scarcity because you need more money. So the training here is to say, what am I doing that is causing this situation? And what do I need to change to have a different outcome? Because the opposite is the actual definition of insanity, which I'm sure everybody's heard a thousand times. And this is the part where when I was broke, where I really struggled with it to say, I'm $135,000 in debt. That's a reality. I have to borrow money to pay interest on borrowed money. Now, that is also a fact. So how in the world am I going to get up in the morning and go, I feel prosperous. Prosperity. Money is everywhere. Money is so easy to make because it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so I had to train myself to do two things. Number one, I only worried about money once a month when I had to pay bills, which I have kept to this day. So I don't obsess over money. You know, I don't, I don't really 
give it too much thought until it is the time where I need to sit down and do that. So today for 90 minutes, I spoke to my broker. We went through all of my investments. We looked at where we are in relationship to the market. We looked at if we are holding, selling, if we are buying, if we're increasing our positions, if we let go of our positions. But I don't obsess over that until when I sit down and talk to him about it because I don't Mm -hmm. want to spend my bandwidth on that. And you need to then focus on how much time do you allocate to to creating it and how much time do you allocate to managing it and how much time do you allocate to worry about it? To worry about it is the least amount of ROI because worrying about something gets you no ROI except sleepless nights, fights with your partners and an overall sense of unwellness. Mm -hmm. So then if that is true, then your majority of your time should be focused on how do I make, how do I create money making activities? All right. So if you worry about money, you're not creating money. Then what do I need to do today to get myself in this position so that I can actually increase my revenue? And if what you're doing is not working, and I give you an example of something really painful and 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 eye-opening. So I had talked a lot about women leadership on a YouTube channel that I had, The Women's Code. And mm-hmm. because I talked about a lot about women leadership before COVID, did lots of keynotes, you know, had a lot of fun. When COVID came, I already knew that that nobody would talk about women leadership during COVID because it was not the priority. Nobody cared if there was equity, diversity, and inclusion at an office because nobody was at the office. So I knew that we were going to be in trouble business-wise on that. But then what happened is there was a backlash of the Me Too movement. And the there's a group out there, a, a woman-hating group that found me as their token poorly aging feminist and I'm not saying this judgmentally, it just is what it is. And next thing I know, I get death threats and 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 all kinds of crazy things. I mean, I've been, you know, and, and they're calling me words that don't even know me. They're just watching some of my videos. And then I was handed from one maniac to another, to another, another. And I could never recover. So for years, I've not tried to get this channel back. And And there was a part of it where I was really stubborn about it and said, the channel made a lot of money. We had a lot of views until this moment. And then I got caught in a bad algorithm by Google and YouTube, and I can't get out of it. So I finally sat down and said, I can't fight this anymore. What do I need to change? So I took down 500 pages of my my website of old content that was still attracting these people. It gave me traffic, but the wrong traffic. So I let all of that go. Then I looked at the channel and I said, can I even resurrect this channel? Or at this point, have I spent enough time in it? So we finally made the decision to shut it down and just start a whole new channel because we cannot fight the algorithm. So there is a part really, which is, you know, long-winded answer here I'm getting to is that if you've tried something long and hard enough and you're really giving it everything and it's just not happening Maybe there is a sign here that you're not supposed to follow that road and Mm -hmm. let it go because you're not proving to anybody. There's no, there's no points out there. Nobody says you, you sink with a ship to the ground. There is a point where even the captain needs to leave the ship and and go on a lifeboat. 
and mm-hmm. or or grab a vest and jump in the ocean and save himself because otherwise uh, otherwise sure death follows so these are some of the things that i had to learn really the hard way to say if it is not meant to be in the sense that i've given it everything not half-heartedly not a little bit and certainly not trying but you actually did the work and it's not moving then maybe this isn't the way to go about it. Maybe there's a better way to go about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that makes so much sense because a lot of times we, as especially as entrepreneurs, we'll stick with something thinking, well, why isn't this working and what is going on? And, you know, I won't pretend to understand the algorithms. I know they're very frustrating to me, but you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things that can happen. And when we're nurturing something that isn't aligned to our purpose, it does bring us down and it affects our income and it affects our, the way we spend and the way we relate to money and having that relationship with money, knowing that I like to say money is our purpose. And that sometimes causes a little controversy itself is because everything we do has money involved. I mean, money feeds us, it protects us, it keeps us safe. And when we're not focusing on having that relationship with money, what are we focusing on? You know, as you said, worrying about money does not bring you more money, but creating a path where you can multiply your money, where you can build sustainable wealth, that's going to get you through the hard times and the, the, you know, what we're going through now in the economy in the U S and all the changes. I mean, there's more to come and it's, there's no tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised, but what kind of, you know, legacy are you going to leave when you're, when you're done here, when you take your last breath, and knowing that, like, I know a lot of entrepreneurs don't think about tomorrow. They just think about, I need to do this right now. I need to make money. I need to pay my rent. I need to pay my mortgage, whatever it is that they're focusing on and having a strategy in place to be able to say, okay, this is what it is. You know, let's rip the bandaid off and like, yeah, reality hits. I have debt. I have this, I have that. Now, what are the steps that I can take to be able to shift this into abundance? So I love how you've created that code, craft that code, and you share it with your audience. Tell us more about your program and, and how you help people craft the code. Yeah. So today, uh, what I focus on are, you know, it's it's very simple, really. There's no, no, no brain surgery around here. So the first thing I want everybody to understand is like, what is your goal? Where are we, where are we even going? So I'm coaching a group and I just started and it's one of my, you know, pro bono mentoring things. And they say, well, we're waiting for the tough love B to come out. And I said, how am I going to be tough love on anything if I don't even know what you want? Because if you haven't told me what you want and you haven't failed at achieving it, I can't even be mad at you or hold you accountable for anything because right now we are in no man's land. The first thing is the question, what do you want? That has to be answered. That's why a lot of people, and I bet, Lisa, you see this in your work all the time too, already get very confused because they say, well, I'd be okay with this, but if it was that, that would be okay too. But then, well, if it was going that direction, I also could do that. And so it becomes very muddled. So you have to be very clear on what is it that you're building? Are you building a lifestyle business, laptop lifestyle? Are you building a brick and mortar business? Are you want to have employees? Are you want to have an outsource team? Do you need uh, time for your child, for your grandchild, for your family? Uh, what are the parameters of what we are actually building? Once we have that goal, we know where you are today. We know where you want to go. Now we can actually design an actual strategy. 
So first comes the goal, second comes the strategy, and it has to be reverse engineered from the goal backward. Another example, I spoke to a woman who was launching a financial fitness uh, product, and Mm -hmm. she says it's a $5,000 online product, self-guided. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I'm not really seeing that being a viable strategy right now. A $5,000, it's a pretty high ticket for people that have issues with money that then have to learn everything by themselves in an online course. But okay, said, so well, how many people do you see in this online course? She says a million. I said, so have you done the calculations on this? What calculations? Well, the average conversion rate of a Facebook ad is, you know, for the opt-in somewhere between two and 5% if it's really, really good. So if you want a million people to buy something and there's a 5% conversion to even opt-in and from the 5% conversion rate to opt-in, there's out of those is like 1% that are going to actually buy. So I said, so have you done the numbers? Because this looks to me like you need to put about 10 million, 20 million in ad spend in there to get a million people that are giving you $5,000. I mean, it's not a bad ROI, but do you have that kind of money to put a million dollars in ad spend to get to these kinds of people? Oh, I didn't think about that. Well, then how can you say that? So so the strategy follows the goal. So don't say the goal and then go, well, but only if it's a wish goal. The wish is not, there's no wish goals in mindset. There's an action goal. So if, mm-hmm. if that's what you want, and Alex Hormosi just did this in this crazy launch that everybody was talking about when, you know, he he came out and he got all the affiliate marketers and everything, I, you know, and I think he's going to end up probably a 10 to $20 million launch that he did. But that's all planned out. And there's a lot of money that goes into the, these things don't happen. So now you have the strategy and then you build the systems. So the systems are, how am I going to make this strategy happen? Mm-hmm. And then you say, well, is this a ad strategy? Is this a, a calling strategy? Am I, am I getting people that are, do I have appointment setters, high ticket closers, do I make the sales calls? Do I hire people? I mean, what are the systems that we are following? So I'm building a program right now where I am partnering with a VA company because I do design all these systems and workflows, and it's very easy for me to do. Mm-hmm. And so I said to him, what we're going to do now is we are not going to have VAs, your VAs, just do work. I'm going to design the workflows. I'm going to teach them the workflow. And then we're going to sell that workflow with the VA. Mm, beautiful. With an outcome. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the market's completely shifted now. People are looking for done with you and done for you, not do it myself. They've done mm-hmm. do it myself enough during COVID. They, they, they crave something different. So you have to be willing you know, in, in, in the outline, you know, the goal, the strategy, then build the systems. And once you have the system, then how do we build your authority to get in front of people? So that's what I do as the growth architect. So I have programs, I have a, a signature, a growth system mastermind, where we help people to identify what their umbrella is and help them to create this transformational journey that takes exactly eight weeks. 
We have people that come to me that need an actual growth strategy. So I help them figure out what is actually the strategy. Where do you want to go? What are the values? And how does this all fit together? What is the plan? And then we have our authority platform pieces where we help people to to grow their authority, make sure their content is out so people know that they exist. No, I love that. I have so many clients to refer to you. That is so beautiful because a lot of entrepreneurs get confused and tripped up and they don't understand that we need to reverse engineer it. Like what, what is it that you want to do? And what's and they start from like, I'm going to create the course before I have clients. Like, don't waste your time. You're not creating the course for your clients. You're creating it for yourself, <laughs> you know, and, and knowing that like it's, and it seems in their minds, it makes logic and, you know, it makes sense to them, but it's really not the way that we do things to be successful and to. Well, but, but Lisa, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you here. I tell you why that is though, because this is the trap of the internet marketers. This is how it's laid out. So let's just, let's just like rip the bandaid off here and stick the finger in the wound. So this is how it is designed. You follow somebody, you're looking for something, you come to the loudest, the one that blankets the internet with their stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you go, well, there's something here because what they have the so-called ethical persuasion. They know exactly what you need to hear to pull the trigger. So you, let's say you buy the program on how to speak from stages. Now you do the program, you go, wow, this is really good. Um, And then the next affiliate program comes in and it says, what are you selling from stage? And you're like, I never even thought about it. Mm-hmm. And it happens to be a course creator program. So you say, well, that makes a lot of sense. Now I learned how to speak from stage. Now I'm going to sell something from stage and I'm going to have to have a program that I need to sell. So I'm going to take that too. The next affiliate program that you get is the, um, have you ever thought about how do you get leads to your program? And you're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Now I'm going to be buying this lead generation program. Now the next affiliate program comes in and says, you actually need a funnel. Have you have you thought about how the leads are going to go in the funnel and then how you get them through the funnel so they can get in the program that you then can sell from stage? You're like, no, I haven't. So now you buy that too. And on and on and on and on it goes. And the illusion that the current internet marketing system creates is for you to believe that the next thing is going to tip all the dominoes. Mm-hmm. And you keep buying and buying, and buying, and buying, and you still don't have a business model, and you Mm -hmm. still don't have a strategy. You still don't have a signature growth system. You still don't know what you're doing because now with all this information, you could do this and you could do that and you could do that. And that's what happens, I mean, tens of thousands of people. And then in their desperation, they take your stuff, they take your name on it, off it, put their own name on it, and now they're... Now they're stealing your stuff, trying to do what you do. Yeah, oh, that that's happens so often. Copycats never get ahead because <laughs> you can't you can't reproduce another person's program. Or it's all about heart and soul and authenticity and connecting with your ideal client in that way. That just where your true self attracts your true believer, is what my business coach always says. And you know, I I totally get that. And so many of us hide from our true selves because we don't have the confidence and we don't believe in ourselves. And if you don't believe in your offer, you're never going to sell it. You know, it's so important to get out of your own way 
and to believe in what you're selling. And, you know, you know, you know, like I switched my niche three times because I knew I was being told, like when I came into the online world in August of 20, oh no, do this, do that. I'm like, that's not really what I want to do. You know, and when I realized what I wanted to do, I couldn't articulate it because there's so much stuff in my head from following down, you know, this path and falling for the same exact thing that you just described. And it was just like, okay, stop. And I ended up taking six months off going, okay, you know, and I was still in corporate, I was working nine to five. So I didn't, I didn't have to worry about it. But when I stepped back into it, it's just like, okay, what do I really love to do? I love to talk about money. I love our money relationships and finances and moving the numbers around and, and creating the, you know, investment portfolio. And like, that's what I can talk about all day long. I mean, I've been doing it since 1987. So to realize that, you know, when we're looking at our past and the path that we're taking, if it doesn't make sense, it won't make dollars. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing, you don't have that passion behind you to back you up, you're never going to get ahead. So I love what you're doing. And I love how you're putting it all together for people to see and they get to explore and, and really create it. And it only takes eight weeks. Okay. So those of you listening, you need to check the show notes and connect um, with the growth architect because, you know, stop, stop pulling around here. What, what, what's one tip that you can give? You've given us a lot of information, but what's like a, a, a tangible tip for those of you, those listeners who are kind of, you know, just tuning in now and they're like, wait a minute, what did they say? What's one tip that you can share with them? Uh, don't take failure personal. The story that I tell is when you look at your car and it keeps popping up, update the GPS, update the GPS, and you're too busy. And then one day, inevitably, you go somewhere and the road's blocked, they're building the freeway, you can't get through. So what? You're going to get out of the car? You're going to throw yourself on the ground? You're going to throw the fists on the asphalt in front of the guy with the stop sign? You're going to go, I'm the worst driver of the world. I never drive again. I'm going to sell my car. This is just not worth it. I'm the I'm, I'm the worst person in the world. I mean, who who's ever going to want me to drive to their house after this? You're not going to do any of it. You're just going to get back in your car. You wave at the guy. You go like, oh, I should have updated the GPS. And you find another way because you know your destination is still there. So when you look at failure... I want you to always have this picture of the woman or the man with a hard hat and the yellow vest with a neon stripe and the stop sign just going like under construction right now. You don't go here. And then all you do is you like, thank you. And then you wave and you find another way. I love that. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your expertise with us. Absolutely beautiful. And what words of wisdom would you like to share? Uh, for me, it's all about uh, don't dr drown in a puddle. It's not worth it. Thank you again. I, I just really love your energy and what you brought to the table here. And for those of you listening, please connect with the Growth Architect. Check the show notes for that link. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. 
Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.